This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit walkwiththeking.org forward slash donate. Thank you for listening. All right, thank you very much. And hello again, radio friends. How in the world are you? You doing all right? Well, I trust so. Bless your heart. This is your good friend, Bob Cook. And you and I are back together again looking at the fourth chapter of the book of Ephesians in the New Testament of the Bible. Ephesians 4, and we're down in verse 11. The gifts that God has given to people, especially as they relate to the work of the church, the body of Christ. We talked about apostles and we talked about prophets. An apostle is one who's sent forth with the gospel message. A prophet is one who speaks for God as from the very heart of God. Your authority, Christian, is not in what you think or the opinions you hold or the erudition that marks you, but your authority always has to be in the Bible. Thus saith the Lord. Now what else? Well, he said he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists. What is an evangelist? Well, you know, of course, is a person who presents the gospel and who invites people to uh, trust the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and as their Savior. Some people have particularly the gift of evangelism. When I became president of, uh, of the college, I followed a man whose gift was outstandingly the gift of evangelism. Dr. Percy Crawford, who founded the King's College, was an evangelist. And many of us who knew him have, have stood with a degree of awe listening to him as he spoke on some occasions where he was granted very little time, as little, let us say, as seven or ten minutes. And he would explain the gospel clearly and then uh, give a gospel invitation, as we say, drawing the net. And here came the people under real conviction of sin and need and tears and seeking God sincerely, after a person had spoken to them for just a few moments, the gift of an evangelist. I've often wished I had that gift. I doubt that I have it in that sense. I've preached the gospel all over the world and want to keep right on as long as I'm breathing. But uh, there's a very special gift. Our, bel- our brother Billy Graham has the gift of an evangelist. I remember when he resigned as president of Northwestern Schools up there in, uh, in uh, Minneapolis after he had held that position for a year or two. And he said to those of us who knew him, he said, God has given me the gift of an evangelist. And he said, I I have to follow that calling and, and, and use that gift especially. And so the school then was given into other hands and uh, has prospered on through the years, become a great college. And uh, the man who helped to make it that great, I think, just has uh, passed away recently, Dr. Bernson has just gone to meet the Lord, and others are now leading in the work. But back in those days, Billy Graham was president, and then he decided, no, he wasn't going to do that because he had a gift for an evangelist. Well, that was in the 40s or early 50s, as the case may be. The the dates don't come back to me clearly now, but it was around in that time. And look what's happened in, in 40 years since. This is 1990 now. Look what's happened all around the world. There are thousands of people who've been introduced to the Lord Jesus Christ through the ministry of a man who's got the gift of an evangelist and who refused to be sidetracked into some kind of administration 
even or, or Christian higher education worthy though that is. But that wasn't his gift. Now, let me speak to someone who may very well have been given this gift. Don't lose it. Don't neglect it. Don't compromise with something less. If God has given you the ability to win souls, use that gift because it comes straight from the blessed Holy Spirit of God and he wants to use you in building up his church. Then he said, and some pastors and teachers. Someone has paraphrased this as meaning teaching pastors and that very well may be. But it's two separate words in my Greek New Testament, and that, I think, is the way we're going to handle it. Uh, pastor. What's involved in being a pastor? Well, I was one full-time for 18 years, I think I know. It means expository preaching. It means three calls at least every day, thousand times a year. Go see your people and others. Tell them about the Lord Jesus. It means caring for your people. It means praying with them. It means being there when they're in need. Uh, and uh, also being there in their times of joy. It means being with them. It's, it, it means being a shepherd, and, and a shepherd takes care of the sheep. He's with the sheep. He never leaves them, and he uh, uh, watches out for them and tries to protect them and sees to it that they get fed and sheltered, a pastor. The gift of a pastor. Now here again, if God has given you that special gift, the, the gift of caring, and caring for. I'm going to just simply uh, uh, abbreviate all the lengthy definitions we might have and just, just bring it down to that. If God has given you the gift of caring and caring for people in your church work, oh, use it, use it. Pastor, are you making enough house calls? Uh, young people come out of seminary these days with the idea that they should sit in their study and people should come to them and make a, an appointment. And, uh, uh, and if there's anybody that has any need, we should hire another person to take care of that. Now, maybe you think I'm old-fashioned, and I guess I am. I was born in 1912. I guess I have a right to be old-fashioned. <laughs> but I, my arteries haven't hardened yet, nor have my categories. And I know what works. A home-going pastor makes a church-going people. And you ought to get over with your people. I asked Dr. R.G. Lee one time, pastor, famous, world-renowned pastor of Bellevue Baptist Church in uh, Memphis. I asked him, I said, uh, Pastor, what, what is the secret of, of the fact that your people love you so and uh, they keep coming to your church and all? Well, he's a great preacher, one of the greatest that there ever was, a real pulpiteer and a real phrase maker. But uh, beyond that, he told me that he made a habit of getting with his people every day. He would make a, a date to go see a young couple and have breakfast with them in their home, show up and have breakfast with them, and he'd have lunch with a businessman, and he'd call on somebody else and be in their homes. Pastors, do you make enough calls? My rule in 18 years full-time in the pastorate was three calls a day. Go, th go three times a day to tell somebody about Jesus. And, of course, you salesmen, you know that that's a very modest schedule. How many calls do you make, salesmen, in your day? 15 or 20? Well, sometimes that many. Of course, if you have a juicy one and you have to write up a long order, why, you may not make quite as many. But uh, there's lots of calls. And one thing I, I learned... I learned it before 
I was taught it. <laughs> There's some things that happen that way, you know. Uh, after I went to a few sales classes, they told me that you, your your sales will increase if you keep on calling on prospects after you want to quit. Well, I learned that early on in, in pastor calling. And I found out that some of the biggest blessings that ever came to me were when I said, well, I'll make one more call. I ought to quit, but I'll make one more. And in those extras came the extra blessing. Lay out a schedule for yourself and, and, uh, and, and uh, districtize your, uh, your, your church members so that you have them, you have them uh, collected in, uh, in uh, districts. And then get around and call on people. Yes, you may interrupt a television show. Yes, when you come to the door, a clammy hand may reach out and propel you into the darkness and ask you to keep quiet until the commercial. That's some of the occupational hazards we have to deal with in these days. But get with them. And if somebody's sick, go see them. And if somebody has a, a problem of some sort, get with them. And, and love them and let them know that you care. Pastoral work. That's a gift that God has given to some of us, and we need to exercise it to the glory of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then this other word, teachers. Now, you don't teach simply by lecturing and telling. You've only taught a person until he can tell someone else successfully. The gift of, of teaching is to go from the known to the unknown, and then for the person who is receiving it to be able to reduplicate that in, in, in communicating the truth to someone else, then you've taught it. You've never taught a person until he or she can tell someone else effectively the same truth as his own. The secret of telling, the law of telling, A tells B, B tells A that he understands, and then A tells B that he understands, B understands. That's the law of telling. And so you have, a, you have a doubling back there of the flow of information so that people know that you know that they know. Teaching. Now, some people have the gift of teaching. They can open up the Word of God. They can open it up, and, and folks say, well, I never saw that before. Well, thank God. If you've got that gift of teaching, use it. Use it. Don't neglect it. Use it for the glory of your blessed Lord. Now, what is the purpose of all of this? He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Now, for what? For the perfecting, perfecting of the saints. Now, that word perfecting, it means the, the growing up, maturation, the maturing of the saints. Have you thought about that in your own life? Have you thought about it? For the maturing of the saints. Hmm? People need to grow up spiritually by meeting you and, and hearing you. It's not that they should get smarter. It's not that they should have notebooks full of notes, although that's all right. It is that they should grow spiritually. That they be able to say, before I met you, I had this and this and this difficulty in my spiritual life. Now I think I've grown a bit, and, and I'm, I'm beyond it. Some wag was telling, was telling us a story. He said this little old lady came up to the, 
to the visiting preacher, and she said, oh, brother, that was a wonderful sermon. She said, I never knew what sin was until you came. (laughs) Well, we don't want that, do we? We want people to really understand, really understand what God is saying and then act on it. What is the, what is the, what is the, uh, the key to growing up? Have you ever thought of that? What is the key to spiritual growth? That you be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into all things which is into him in all things, he who is the head, even Christ. Grow up. What is the key to spiritual growth? Number one, to understand the truth of God. Number two, to act on it. He being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, James says. Whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. To understand, when you read the Bible, ask God to help you understand. Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous wondrous things out of thy law. The psalmist prayed. You can pray the same thing. Ask God to help you understand, and then act on it and you'll start to grow. You won't grow unless you act on the truth. I'll come back to this the next time we get together. Dear Father, today, oh, may we be used of Thee in using the gifts You've given us through the enabling of the indwelling Holy Spirit for the glory of Jesus. Amen. Till I meet you once again by way of radio, walk with the King today and be a blessing.